Balotelli, Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again, oh he just can't do it, you just cannot be that good, that is an amazing goal, I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on guys and welcome to another episode of the 50 plus one football podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga, I'm Billy and if I am Manchester United, then he is a backwards transfer strategy. It's Lewis. Because we fit so well together. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's right, guys. We have a little host of topics for you this week. Sorry we've been off air. Again, work commitments. We'll do that to you. But nevertheless, this week we will have a look at... Manchester United and their backwards transfer strategy, as Billy has already so kindly pointed out. And we will also take a look at City versus Liverpool. And are those two clubs just running away from the rest of the Premier League? Then we will swing over to the Bundesliga, where we will have a look at Borussia Dortmund and the transfers they already seem to have on lock and the big changes going on over there. And will they maybe finally mount a solid title challenge? And then, of course, we have to look at none other than Bayern when we talk about title challenge, because as it stands, they're on their way to their 10th Bundesliga title in a row. And it might be their last for a little bit, because looking at their squad, some big, big questions to be asked. All that and more right after this. Well, shall we just rip the band off with. and get this out of the way? Because yesterday I wanted to hurt myself. I, I, right, okay. To, to be to be perfectly honest, <clears throat> to be perfectly honest, I expected the loss. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and deep down, I probably should have expected no effort to be put in. I do remember you saying anything less than five is a win. Well, it didn't feel like a win, Lewis, I'll be honest. Uh, but the, um, so obviously there's a manager change and things are starting to, to move around. But it was interesting yesterday because I, I am in love with Ralph Ranić and his post-match interviews because he just, he just does not give a shit. He, every- he, just, he just comes out and says what, what's on his mind. It's, it, it is a little bit of refre- it is a refreshing bit of new policy when it comes to post-match interviews, I'd say. Well, since like minute one, he said that the squad is not good enough. Like the players just aren't good enough. And he said it yesterday. He's like, there will yeah. be a rebuild here. Six, seven, maybe 10 new players will come. And well, they kicked it off today. By, uh, I want I want to make it clear they haven't sacked these two people. Well, officially sacked these two people. They've stepped down. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim, <laughs> they've stepped down in quotes. Yeah, uh, they've they've been made to resign. Yeah. Uh, Jim Lawler and Marcel Bout. So uh, Jim Lawler is the chief scout, and Marcel Bout is the head of global scouting operations. And uh, as you can guess, since 2014, they've not done too well. A little bit. Let me just go through some of the players. So I was I was about to say we let's 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 have a little let's have a little bit of a of a breakdown. Which players would you have out the door this summer? And which position or which positions, better said, would you want to see new players being brought into? Let's start with the with which players you want to axe this summer, or you would want to see leave. Players I want to see leave. Yes, because as you just said, six to ten players are rumored to be on their way out of Manchester United. It's, <clears throat> it's difficult because I don't. I do want to see some people leave. I was about to say. Um, <laughs> 
I think the ones that will leave, Lee Grant, possibly Tom Heaton, and maybe even Dean Henderson. So we could be in the market for another goalkeeper. Do you Depending really on who the that... new manager wants over De Gea or Dino. I was about to say, because Dean Henderson was brought in as, you know, sort of the big replacement for David De Gea down the line. Do you think that he would be out the door? Uh, again, it depends on, on who presumably Ten Hag wants. I think the last, oh, well, this, this isn't news, but De Gea's distribution is fucking appalling. <laughs> fucking appalling. <laughs> um, I think Phil Jones will go. I'm pretty sure you won't me. be. That was about to say you. If Eric Bailly left as well, because Phil Jones has barely played a game. And Eric Bailly was on the bench yesterday. We played a back three. So it's what does he have to do? Well, I mean, I, I'd also say that Phil Jones and Eric Bailly just, you know, they've seen their day. They've seen their day on the pitch. And at the end of the day, they haven't really made too many arguments for them to be kept by the club, even in a backup capacity, because they just aren't good enough. Or would you disagree with that? I don't disagree with that. Phil Jones, I think, has been... Injuries haven't helped. Okay? He's had a, a couple of really bad injuries, and, and the, the treatment of him has been like appalling at times. You know, Similar to Harry Maguire, but he doesn't help himself because he seems to have this... Yeah, you have to have a certain amount of arrogance to be a professional footballer. But if you're playing badly, just say you're playing badly. Um, okay, backs, little question I want to sneak in. Harry Maguire or Phil Jones, who's worse? Next. Wow. Have I stumped you with that? Jesus. Yeah. No, you haven't, but you kind of have because Maguire can be quite good. So, well, Phil Jones was quite good. I don't know. Can I pass? Can I say Chris Smalling? That's a joke, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> um, fullbacks is a difficult one because you've got Luke Shaw, who's just had the pins taken out of his leg. Which I don't think he's ever getting to the height he was 2014. I just don't I, see it. Happening. I mean, last season he played really well. So it is possible. He just needs, you know, he's been injured a bit, which is due to those pins causing him issues. Um, so next season we'll see. Alex Tellez, I just can't defend. Uh, <laughs> Wamba Saka, I will die on that hill. But he's very, he's fantastic defensively. He just needs to work on his attacking. And Diogo Dallo is the, op- the opposite way around. So he's like Alex Tellez, can't defend, but... Going forward. Yeah. So I potentially a new fullback. The midfield is the is the proper bad issue. Because Pogba's off, Matic is off, Jesse Lingard's going, Juan Matter's off. That's your That's whole midfield. Four of your midfielders. And you've got Donny Fenderbeek coming back after a less than you know, mediocre time at Everton, it has to be said. You know, we've seen him on the bench at Everton. Like, this is a team that's most likely going down, you know. Well, that, yeah, that does suck. Uh, you presume but Ten Hag is I'm the guy not, who brought him up. Yeah, but I'm not saying that Ten Hag will come in and Donny will play every single game. Oh, no, no, no. Um, but he probably will get more game time because... Ted Hag has called the treatment of Van der Beek baffling. To say the very least, yeah. Yeah, so Cavani's off as well. Uh, Greenwood, for obvious reasons. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past Martial leaving, and there's still those question marks over Ronaldo. Uh, but I don't know. So you've just named more or less 90% of the starting eleven. Oh yeah, I said it to you yesterday. The only one that, the only two players that actually put in a decent shift yesterday was Jaden Sancho when he came on, and Hannibal, mainly because Hannibal took chunks out of people. But th- <laughs> there was some effort. There was some fire. There was a, there was just effort. Like everyone, they were walk- You know, they were walking. They yeah, they were in their formation, but they were walking. They were ambling around, which just is not good enough at the top level. That. 
game could easily have been nine on its own. Don't yes. matter nine nil across both legs. It could quite easily have been nine. That's quite a bleak prognosis. But then, you know, so you, Maguire, you'd have, you'd see off as well. Are we staying on that? I, I'd keep Maguire mainly because no one's gonna, no one's gonna buy him. Well, but, without taking a significant hit. But if you, if you can keep Varane fit, which has been the issue, yeah, which seems to get injured. If you can keep Varane fit. Sign one, maybe two centre halves. I mean, there's Ted N. Mengi, who's on loan at Birmingham at the moment, who will be relatively okay, I think, next season for some game time. Yeah. Al Torres is another one mentioned that we should have probably got last season. I was about to say for Villarreal, he did very, very well against Bayern. He's gorgeous as well. Because that's that's also another criteria we definitely need to see. <laughs> this is United. We are the like the commercial whores of the Premier League. Uh. Uh, but w- what I wanted to just run through quickly. So Marcel Bout uh, came in in 2014. He helped Louis Van Gaal. Yeah. Uh, with his signings, and he stayed on. So the signings under. We'll start with David Moyes. David Moyes got Fellaini and Juan Mata. Fellaini in summer, one matter in January. That's not good enough for anyone. He just wasn't back. That was Ed Woodward's first uh, season as CEO. So that was, you know, yeah, already sinking. Uh, Van Howe got Victor Valdez. No. Daily Blind, I'd argue, shouldn't eh. have been sold when he was. Marcus Rocco, no. Ander Herrera, my guy. <laughs> Luke Shaw, I'm going to say, yeah, there will be people that will go, no, he's not lived up to it. He's not played well. He's not been good enough, but left backs are hard to come by. Yeah. Di Maria. <laughs> no. 67 and a half million for that. <laughs> All that. His most memorable moment was when he got sent off for like pinching Michael Oliver in an FA Cup game against Arsenal. Jesus Christ. Same FA Cup game. Danny Welbeck scored against us and he scored the winner and celebrated. And I wanted to, you know, just curl up into a ball. Uh, Sergio Romero, still, in my opinion, the best backup goalkeeper in the Premier League during his time. He was fantastic. And the fact that Ollie didn't use him at all is ridiculous. Uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger. Mourinho. Thumbs up. Just didn't know where to... He scored an overhead kick against Wigan. Yeah. I love him anyway. Matteo Damian, no. Memphis Depay, no. Morgan Schneidlin, no. Anthony Martial. <laughs> eh. We'll give him a C plus. Yeah, but that only because he performed at the beginning and then he's tapered off the last couple of seasons. Uh, after Project Restart, he was, he was great. But... So that's, yeah, but- that's the thing, right? So he was helped with those signings by Marcel Bell. I'm not going to go through, well, Mourinho's, some of Mourinho's are. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> to say the very least, yeah. And then you look at the uh, cultural revolution under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Harry Maguire, 80 million. Not worth it at all. If he was Irish, he would have been about four. Uh, Aaron Wamasaka. How, how did Leicester finesse 80 million? Uh, because they're a well run club. That's why. Wamasaka, Dan James, which he, tr- he put the effort in. I was about to say, Dan James wasn't all bad, was he? No. Uh, Odiani Gallo was just vibes. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, the only one that's really worked out. Cavani this season has just been absent. Pelestri's on loan. Tellez, that was hype. Same with Donny van der Beek. So it's risky getting rid of your two heads of scouting before a transfer window. But you would imagine Ten Hag has people in mind. There are scouts in place. I was about to say. You'd imagine this anyway. 
I was about to say, there has to be something like Ten Hag must already, for one thing, have multiple staff changes already suggested to the board. Not even suggested, probably said in his contract, these people have to go and I want these people coming in. Because I don't think he would have taken the job if he wasn't getting what he wanted because he must know the problems going on at United. And it's just... You know, it, it's a question of how far the board are now willing to go to right the ship, basically. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult. It'll be interesting to see, like, because you would imagine the entire coaching structure would be, like, revamped new coaches come in and apparently the players have been asking Donny about what he's like and he's like well, you will not stop running I think after his first week he'll know who he can and can't call upon there'll be a lot of players that get sold or frozen out well yeah because I mean there are, there are only so and so many uh, players who if they if they say okay do you know what I'm not asked for this, you know, this is just running BS. I, I don't want to do it. Then he's immediately going to ask them. Exactly. Uh, but I think it's time we leave that. And oh. I know it's going to hurt, but we have to talk about it. Yes, we do. Let's talk about Liverpool and Manchester City. And uh, I have just one thing to, uh, to play just before we talk about it, because Gary Neville, this was a few years ago now. Uh, so before we start, I'm just going to uh, play this. This is my feelings on the situation. It's like it's like having a choice of two blokes and knit your wife. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, for... If for any for any Manchester United fan, I guess that must be the case when talking about this. But we have to, we have to say, you know, you've now got a situation where you have these two powerhouses, and I mean, every time you see City versus Liverpool, it is just the clash of the titans, for lack of a better word. No team seems to be able to conduct this uh, their style of play with the same consistency as Liverpool and City. There have been flashes like. Chelsea, where they may be coming in, you know, trying to scratch at those top two places. But I'd argue ever since 2017, 2018, it's been City or Liverpool and no real other contenders. I mean, as far as 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 far as I'm concerned, it's looking to be more and more like a Real Madrid Barcelona situation. But what would you say? Do you think the Premier League will develop into that kind of a, a situation where you have just those top two always duking it out over Premier League, uh, FA Cups, League Cups, and possibly even Champions Leagues? Or do you think that it will still, like the other clubs will still be able to keep up? Because right now, if we're being honest, there is maybe not in the table as much, but there is a chasm between, well, I say not in the table as much. There is still a 12 point difference between second place city and third place Chelsea. And I'd say playing, playing style and playing ability and consistency. Most of all, that chasm is even bigger. Yeah, it is. But history would, would show that that changes over time, you know, late nineties, you know, early 90s, it was United and Newcastle. Late 90s, early noughties, it was United and Arsenal. Then it was United and Chelsea, United and City, and now it's Liverpool and City. It'll change. It'll, it'll come, you know, Chelsea had a, when it was Chelsea and City or Chelsea and Liverpool, back in like, what, the, the mid-2010s or something, early 2010s. So it does change. You know, Jurgen Klopp's leaving in 2024, which will be a massive, massive loss for them. And if they do get Steven Gerrard, that could, you know, potentially work out. It could potentially not. City, when Pep leaves. You know, players don't stay around forever either. 
So would you say it's just a question of how long those two, you know, for lack of a better word, the two best managers on this planet stay at their respective clubs? And then you would say the, the dominance is going to end or it'll be shifted someplace else. Yeah, it'll be shifted some someplace else. You know, if people might laugh, people might laugh, but if if Arteta can get done what he wants done at Arsenal, there's no reason in a few years they can't be up there. If uh, Thomas Tuchel gets the balance right at Chelsea, there's no reason they can't be up there. If whoever comes in at United, be it Ten Hag or someone else in the future, if that all gets sorted from top to bottom, there's no reason they can't be up. You know, it's not Tottenham as well. If Conte can get done what he wants to get done, there's no reason they can't. You know, they were up there challenging for it when they, they lost it to Leicester. So yeah, it, yeah. it does happen. It's just, this is a sustained period of dominance. But people would have said that about United and Arsenal back in like the late 90s, early noughties. But would you would it be fair to argue that never before has there been such a difference between the top two teams or that those two rival teams and the rest of the league? Or would no. you say that that difference is already being seen in the Premier League and thus we will see it again with a couple of other teams? Yeah, we, we've had that before. Uh, if I can just get the table up quick. From 2012, when City won it. City and United were clear of everyone else. By like a good few points. The season after, they were both, you know, they, they finished on 89 points, right? City won on goal difference. Third place with Ar- was Arsenal with 70. Both yeah, Manchester okay. clubs were 19 points clear of third place. You know, the, the following season, it was something similar like that. They were they were clear, you know, United were clear of City, but City were then clear of third place by a good few points. So it's not, it, it doesn't, it does annoy me. It does frustrate me when people go, oh, these are the, the greatest sides in the Premier League ever. Well, they're not because that Jose Mourinho Chelsea side, I know City had, were the Centurions and that, but it wasn't a great, wasn't one of the great sides you know this Liverpool team if if they win the quadruple fair enough I'm I'm willing to have that conversation but until the final whistle goes on the final game I'm not willing to have that conversation because it was the same when City could have won all four I was about to say they still have arguably the biggest uh way to go when it comes to the Champions League because, you know, barring that they slip up against Villarreal, which I don't think will happen. You know, they're not Bayern. Um, or Juve. Yeah, or Juve. There you go. But, well, I, I wouldn't even count Juve to being one of the Europe's elite clubs anymore. I'm sorry, but they're just not. Um, I'd say FA Cup final against Chelsea, big, big game for them will be very hard but if they come up against should they come up against city in the in the in the champions league Whoa. that would be a final and a half because what we saw between city and liverpool in the fa cup semi final i'd argue city didn't have the resources anymore to field their best 11 i'm not taking away from liverpool's victory by any means because they did just put City up against the wall. But I'd still argue that the game is not that, or it's not as clear of a dominance if both teams can get the best starting 11 out there on the pitch and they can get the most out of that starting 11. I'd say it's a very, very even game. Yeah, and cup finals are a weird... It's a weird dynamic in a cup final because everyone would have said Chelsea would have won the FA Cup last year. And then Yuri Tielemans comes up with a wondrous goal. So there's a long way for them to go. I mean, they could still lose. I can't see City losing any points. They've got Brighton tonight at time of recording on Wednesday. 
uh, to yeah. go back one point clear at the top. Um, but just running through it. So Salah is top of the golden boot with 22. Yeah. Salah and Trent are top of the assists, both with 12. That's ridiculous. Allison is top of the clean sheets with 18. So, you know, it's not like it's a fluke. They're a very well-coached team and they do play ridiculous. I mean, that second, was it the second goal? Salah's goal last night. The little flick from Mane was ridiculous. Oh, as yeah. bad as United played, Liverpool were that good. Oh, d- taking nothing away from them. Do you want to know also a little bit of an unpopular opinion? I'd say Liverpool are winning as much as they are because they do not have as much star allure as a Manchester City or a Real Madrid, for that instance, or any of the top teams, really. Liverpool are right now of the top teams that are really getting the most out of their squad. They're the one team where I'd argue the star alert is not that big. You have players in Salah and Mane who only became what they were at that club. They weren't players who were stars beforehand and then brought into Liverpool to win. They became those stars at Liverpool. And I'd say at Liverpool, you don't have... You, you have more of a team than you do have, you know, star players who make the difference. And that's why they're winning. Because even with Salah not performing as he usually does, and I say as he usually does because we just said, you know, he's top of the assists and top of the goals. But, you know, people have still accredited him with a dip in form in recent months. And, you know, I think we can't talk, we can't say that he was better than he was, what was it, 2018, 19? So I'd argue that even when players at Liverpool have their dips in forms, it's just other players just compensate. And that's why they are where they are. And it's just, it is just a perfect cohesive unit. And it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. So you got Salah and Mane that were made big. Van Dyke, got a big price. Arguably tag, also but he, made but he big. wasn't a big name, really. Robertson from Hull. That was almost scoffed at. Yeah. And uh, the latest one is uh, Luis Diaz, Diogo Jota as well. But Luis oh, Diaz yeah. is ridiculously good. And Roberto Firmino as well. I mean, I know now he's not, or I'd say he's almost like a backup to Diogo Jota more than anything. Um, but he was brought in from Hoffenheim. You know, that is, <laughs> that's the, not, and at the time Hoffenheim were like mid table. The only big name. That, that, that was a big name before he was bought is Thiago. Yeah. And for 20 million is fucking ridiculous. Last night before he, you know, he's not had, you know, he's, he's been a bit hot and cold. I know Liverpool fans won't mind me saying that, but he was ridiculous at the end in the FA Cup semi-final. And last yeah. night he was an absolute artist. Unbelievable. The player David Moyes should have signed. <sighs> But but you would agree with me, you know, City, you have you, you have your Phil Foden, you have Kevin De Bruyne, who is still heralded as the best midfielder on this planet. You do have the stars in there and name and basically big names that were already big names before they were brought into the club. Yeah, I think obviously if if it was available. Liverpool would spend 100 million on a on a star name. You know, they would have done what the City did with Jack Grealish. They would have done Yeah. It's naive to think otherwise, but I think and for all the the problems that Liverpool fans have with FSG. You can't really complain. This no, you is you can't this is that purple period where everything's going right. Who knows? Jurgen Klopp could leave. Steven Gerrard could come in and it seamlessly transitions. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. amazing would it be that Gerrard as club legend, as a player, then comes in and becomes a legend as a manager? I mean, bold claim now, but 
possibly, I don't think Liverpool will ever have a better manager than Jurgen Klopp. In the foreseeable future, at least. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Because where they were when he took over, you know, celebrating a two-all draw against West Brom. Well, put it this way. Is Jurgen Klopp the best manager to have ever managed Liverpool? I I can't say that. I can't answer that question. Because I don't know enough about Bob Paisley and Bill Shankly. Which I think if you asked anyone who was around for those managers, would say they are one of those two was the best. Because that Liverpool team of of that era was that was it. It was just them. Yeah. There was no one that came close to it. Jurgen Klopp's very good. He's done very well. But I don't think any Liverpool fan would go, mm, I could have Bob Paisley, Bill Shankly, or Jurgen Klopp. I think a vast majority are going to pick one of the former. Well, uh, there is a debate for you in the comment section. Comment, who do you think Jurgen Klopp, Bill Shankly, or Bob Paisley one of the three, would you even take Jurgen Klopp into that arena with the other two? Who do you think is Liverpool's greatest manager? But, you know, going back to the star lord, as we said, City, they've bought a bunch of players, you know, Kevin De Bruyne for 75 mil, uh, Jack Grealish for 100. So many players that they brought in for big money. I think, how much did Nathan Ake cost? He cost, he cost a good 40 or 50, didn't he? I was like 35, I think. Well, still, but, you know, for the fact that he barely plays a role in the starting 11, that's a big amount of money. You know, Rodri cost over 50. Uh, so many, so many players. And now it's rumored to be Erling Haaland becoming the next one, who is already a massive name beforehand. And I think that's a perfect segue into the Bundesliga. Before we do move to the Bundesliga, I have just asked the Liverpool fan quickly and uh, she chose Bill Shankly. So, uh, Klopp still has a lot to do. He's up there with the greats of the club, but he's still got a lot of stuff to achieve, which I think is a fair answer. But yes, let's move to the Bundesliga. Salah! So we said it in the intro, Dortmund making some major moves, but obviously Erling Haaland being the big one. Right off the bat, I already had a couple of conversations with Dortmund fans at work. They have literally told me he needs to piss off. This is a striker who got 60 goals and 60 appearances for Dortmund and you know, arguably kept Dortmund alive when they had so many problems in the last couple of years. And they literally want him gone. They just want him out. But can you blame them? Oh, hell no. Put it this way. This guy is now, you know, he's with, with every couple of months that have gone by at Dortmund, he's become more injury prone. And to the point where now he's just barely getting back on his feet. You know, for most of the first quarter of this year, 2022, he's been out injured and coming back too soon. We've said it time and time again. And then he's just going back to being injured again. And, you know, if we're being honest, it's just the bang for buck there is not is not at it. You know, you don't he is not, in my opinion, or he should not, in my opinion, be asking for exorbitant amounts of money when it comes to a salary, because any player who is right now asking to be on 40 million a year or even over 25 million a year, they should be the absolute best in their position. And they should be consistently doing what they're doing. And they should be doing it for multiple years. Erling Haaland does not in any way or form make one of those criteria. He's been at Dortmund for all of two seasons. 
He's injury prone as all hell, which negates the consistency. And he's not the best striker on this planet. It does. It, no one can tell. Karim Benzema and Robert Lewandowski are definitely better than Erling Haaland. Right now, yeah. But I just wanted to push back on the injury prone thing because, yeah, he's, he's been picking up a lot of similar injuries. And there was that thing that came out that he didn't want any injuries to be made public or whatever and things like that. But I think, and we, we did talk about this in the last episode, that a majority of that has to go down to Dortmund because they rush him back. I think if he got injured at City, he'd be given the time to come back. Do you really think so when they will have him on a rumored over 500k a week and spend 75 million on him? And they will be like, do you know what? It's okay if you take a month more to really get back to 100%. City don't want a player who's going to, like you said in the last episode, gets there week one versus Aston Villa, gets injured and is out for two months. It wouldn't be ideal. Well, put it put it this way: it would be it would be okay for City to stomach something like that, but not if they're putting him on over five hundred k a week and spending seventy five million on him. And you know, add in the fifty or so million that have to go to his money grabbing agent and his even greedier father. The fact that his dad is asking for an agent's fee is absolutely freaking ridiculous that man is not his agent that man is just making trying to make money off the fact that his son is an exceptional player an exceptional one not the best at at the risk of uh repeating last week i think let's let's move on from harland but talk about what they're going to do with that money because there's already a lot of talk about Nico Schlotterbeck and Karim Adiemi. Put it this way. They've already signed Niklas Zula on the free, which is unbelievable business for Borussia Dortmund, signing arguably the best German centre-back right now um, that you can get. Nico Schlotterbeck, the best centre-back at Freiburg, who just managed to get themselves into the DFB-Pokal final for the first time in God knows how many years. You know, this is the closest that Freiburg are coming to a title in a very, very long time. And Schlotterbeck, without a shadow of a doubt, has been an integral part of that. And probably Germany's most up-and-coming centre-back. He's been nominated now a couple of times for the national team. And they're probably going to sign him for what Freiburg want, which is around 20 to 25 million, and then offer him 4.5 million salary. And that would give Dortmund a better centre-back pairing than Bayern have at the minute. That I'm I'm saying that now. That is not even that is not even in question. So Karim Adyemi, a bit harder to judge because there are all these rumors flying around that yeah, he prefers Dortmund over Bayern and he wants to make the move. But the problem also being that Abby Salzburg wants a good 30 or 40 million minimum for Adyemi. He is a German uh, national team player and probably will be nominated. He's, I mean, he's already has been nominated, but he will probably will be nominated for the world cup. Um, You know, he's, he's definitely an exceptional player and Dortmund will need someone to come in and replace Haaland. If Adyemi really is that guy remains to be seen. Because he's not, you know, a big striker who's who is going to have a presence in the box. He's a speedy right forward, left forward, wherever you put him. It, it, yeah, it's difficult uh, because no one is going to score sixteen sixty for uh-huh. Dortmund. Whoever whoever comes in is not going to score 
60 and 60. However, yeah, they're being significantly weakened up front. But it, it looks from the outside that they're being sensible with it and are strengthening, strengthening everywhere else a bit more. You know, they're getting better defenders. They'll probably sign a couple of midfielders, or at least one, you'd expect, and another forward along with Adeyemi. Yeah. Which I think is more a more sensible move than trying to get one big replacement in for Erling Haaland because you just will not be able to replace him. And anyone who tries to come in and replace him is probably going to end up costing you around 60 to 70 million anyway and won't produce the same results. So, yeah, definitely a smarter business from Dortmund. And, you know, if we're being honest, they're also looking very young. So, you know, Schlotterbeck, 22, Niklas Schüler, 26, Adiemi, 20. You've got young guys coming in, going to freshen this, freshen this team up. And, you know, to pair them alongside the already existing players, you know, like Bellingham, Dahoud, um, it's Daniel Malin even. It is very, very, or it, I'd say it is looking a lot better for Dortmund than this season. Because, I mean, this season has just been catastrophic for Dortmund. They would be third or fourth if the other teams hadn't themselves had a rough go of it. Like we said with Abby Leipzig, if they'd had Tedesco from the beginning, they probably would have been sec- would have been second by now. So I think Dortmund have also looked to the future with their buys. At the same time, I think their purchases will be able to have a significant instant impact to get them back where they want to be, which is challenging for the title. Just a quick one. I know you don't want to hear this, but the people do. <laughs> given how good Leipzig are, if they can keep hold of Nkunku, and given the good business that seems to be going on at Dortmund, and the uh, shambles that is Bayern at the moment. Which we'll get to in a second. Do you think we're going to have an interesting title race next season? And not if Bayern win on Saturday... In the Classica, that's title number ten. Put it this way, I think you know we've we've had it time and time again where we say you know, you know when Bayern under Nico Kovac, they were having a rough go of it, and Dortmund kind of failed to capitalize on it, and then two seasons later they've won six titles in one year. I'd say next season will be a definite one to look out for because if Leipzig can keep their team together and Dortmund can immediately get that team playing to their full potential, 100% you have a title race and even a good chance that Bayern don't win the Bundesliga title because it is a very big, there are very big question marks around the club. And I think we'll just take this opportunity now to delve right into them because Bayern right now, you have a situation where there is not, as with, you know, a Man City or a club of, you know, the European elite, Bayern do not have the cash on hand to start blowing it like they probably need to, which puts them in a tough spot because they definitely need to revamp the squad and, and, and the squad of players that they've got. You know, it just isn't good enough. There is a massive drop-off in playing ability between the top 13, maybe 14 players that will fill your starting 11 and probably be most likely be the subs. And then the rest of the squad. You know, when you had, looking back at the treble winning year of 2020, they had a squad where you had six or seven players on the bench who could all come on and still make a difference. You did Coutinho on the bench. You know, it, it was just a squad of players that was very, very, very good. And there wasn't a chasm between half the squad and the other half. Now, even the top 11 players you've got are still shaky, especially at the back. 
you know, Upamecano has not been the ad hoc replacement for David Alaba that, you know, the bosses probably wanted when they spunked 42.5 million euros on him. I'd give him a little bit of time. I think Upamecano probably the best center back option you right now have at Bayern when Zule isn't fit. And, you know, we've only got Zule till the end of the season. So next season, Upamecano will be the best center back probably at Bayern. Um, because in my opinion, Lucas Hernandez is also not yet there where he should be for 80 million. He's shown flashes of his playing ability, but he hasn't shown that he can be a leader in that center back team. And that's the main problem at Bayern is the fact that they are missing a leader in their back line. I was just looking at the team that played against the Armenia Bielefeld man. Yeah. Benjamin Pavar. We know my feelings on him. No, he's just, he just isn't what he should have been for 35 million. The guy costs 35 million. Yeah, from a relegated Stuttgart. From a relegated Stuttgart, yeah. A relegated Stuttgart. Uh, Tangi Nianzu, I think he's 19, man. Let's give him some time. Upa Makano yeah, will... Not, what, yeah, but, you know, Tangi Nianzu, he's 19 at the minute, but that's obviously, you know, we'll give him time, but he can't... You can't expect him to be at the level of being in a Champions League final in the starting 11 and playing well. That's just not going to happen. No, I think Upamecano will will work out. Alfonso Davies has worked out. It's it's difficult because if you do get those two players from Ajax, uh, Ryan Gravenberch and uh, Mats Rowie, Mats Rowie's an upgrade on what you've already got. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, because Pava... So that's good Pava is like Wambasaka. He's he's defensively, he's all right, but attacking, he just doesn't offer up enough. And Gravenberch is a weird one because he doesn't get in over Kimmich or Goretzka. No. But he's a, he's a definite upgrade on the likes of Mark Rocker. And Marcel Zabitzer. As much as it pains me to say it. That's probably a great season for Sabitzer. Well, that's the thing. Sabitzer came in and people were expecting him to be able to fill Goretzka's shoes if he should get injured. And there were multiple times this season where he could have, or he had the opportunity to prove that. But he costs 15 million euros in the summer. And that's just too much for a player who is offered up as little as he has done this season. Yes, it's a difficult one. I know you and, let's face it, quite a few Bayern fans think this lies at the foot of Hassan Salihamidzic. And uh, it's it's hard to disagree. I think watching that Bayern documentary on Amazon, he should have no. He should not be allowed in that dressing room or on on the touchline. He should be with Oliver Kahn up in the stands. Yeah, he's 100%. too involved in the squad. He's well. Here's the thing. He's supposed to be. He is the person who is responsible for the squad at the end of the day, and you know the makeup of the squad. But yeah, as you said, he's not. He shouldn't be on the touchline interfering with the day-to-day or looking at the day-to-day activities, I don't think. And the problem is he's close to the day-to-day activities, but then the squad itself isn't good enough. And he's basically already gone out and said ahead of the Bielefeld match, you know, we don't have the money or we, I don't think we're going to see a big transfer offensive from us this season or this transfer window. And looking at the squad, that is the minimum of what you should have. Now, the one thing I do appreciate is the fact that Bayern are trying to keep themselves from going into a Barcelona-esque situation where they just spend money they don't have and then drive themselves into debt. But then you have to get people in who are competent enough to get players for little money 
And those players are still good enough to strengthen a squad at Bayern. That then is a hard job, but not an impossible one. The problem is that Zadi Hamacic is not the guy to get you that squad. And the only person who can make a decision like that is Oliver Kahn. And for lack of a better word, we've got the neutered version of Oliver Kahn as a boss. You know, on the pitch, when he was a player, he was the scariest person you could ever meet. You could ever meet. Now that he's in a management position, you don't see him coming out, you know, in a press conference and saying, you know, you know, we need balls, guys. We need balls, which was his favorite. He was his his uh, famous post-match interview. You know, the only thing that's going to get us out of this crap situation is we need balls. There's none of that passion. There's none of that fire that I'm getting to see from a, from an outside position anyway, from Oliver Kahn. You know, everyone thought that he would be the Titan in the dressing room and uh, or in the boardroom. And the Titan would have seen that Zali Hamacic is the big problem and that he should not be going anywhere near the board of directors, but he now is on it. So I think at the end of the day, if Bayern can't get the squad and, you know, now Julian Nagelsmann is also complaining about the squad being what it is and saying we need new players, which is what Flick did as well. At some point, someone has to realize on that board that Zali Hamacic is not fit to be in the position that he is in. Otherwise, the club will be going downhill. Well, there we go. Let us know how you think Bayern will get on next season if they're going to uh, drop off and it will be a more interesting title race. But uh, that's all the time we have for this week. And of course, don't forget to like, share and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We are bringing you the daily breaking news every week, week in, week out throughout the season and the transfer window. And also don't forget to have a look at the 50 plus one football podcasts on Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure to check out our previous episodes. If you missed one and keep your eyes peeled every week, but thank you very much for listening guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.